This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we talk about what made news, what didn't and some things that absolutely shouldn't have. Today I have with us my colleagues Ayush Tiwari and Siddharth Singh. Both have done very interesting stories about the media this week. Ayush, we'll start with your report. Uh, welcome to Reporters Without Orders. Hi, Niri. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So this week, you looked at the data released by the central government, but how this data that they released doesn't really add up to the numbers that the RTI Act reveals or what sources from different news organizations have actually told you with regards to these numbers. Uh, so, Ayush, I want to just start by asking you, uh, these are numbers regarding government expenditure on media, right? How many ads they give to news organizations and how much they're spending uh, with regards to ads at TV news channels, right? Not newspapers or anything else. So, the government had released uh, these ad expenditures, uh, which it says is ad commitments, and we'll come to the difference, uh, for newspapers as well as uh, TV channels and news websites. But our story only concerns uh, the news channels. Right. And can you explain to me what exactly the DAVP is? Like you start your story with it as the, the Directorate of Advertising and Visual Publicity. What is the DAVP? So you can say it, uh, when it comes to advertisements, it's like the purse of the government of India, right? Uh, the money that is that the government spends uh, is managed by the DABP and that involves uh, making sure who gets the ads and how many slots and uh, whether that's been incorporated in the expenditure because channels have to ultimately send their bills uh, to the DABP. The thousands of crores that the government of India spends, you know, we know, for instance, that it spent uh, at least 3000 crores uh, only in print and uh, electronic media between 2017 to 20. So that the uh, accounting and designing a plan to spend that money is done by the DAVP. Does the DAVP regularly release data? Like, do you, is there a periodic release of, of this data? If, if, say, I want to find out this information, is there a website I can go to and check this amount that the government is spending? Yeah, yeah. They regularly release the data. And uh, I mean, if you could go to their website, you'll find uh, their response to RTIs uh, to them, right, Where, uh, which is how I got the access to the data I did. But some of it is often uh, put out in a very, uh, you know, obtuse manner. So every newspaper or a publication, uh, in fact, every newspaper with a certain branch say the Mumbai edition of the Indian Express would have a different registration number. And they'd say registration number, this date, this is the expenditure. So by the time you find out what is the registration number of what and what's the money, and there's some you know technical and uh, complex parameters, it, it'll take you a lot of time to understand that. So even though it puts out data, I think it's not very accessible. And only through RTIs mm -hmm. and through parliamentary questions do we get uh, clean data that is which says this is a newspaper and in this year it got this much money which is way better of course and how did you know when for this particular story you've talked about the fact that it was a question asked in the parliament by an mp right so how did this story start about what made you take a look at this data released in february 
So I, I actually from time to time just dig the DAVP website because, uh, you know, it's a very uneventful day when something very important shows up on the DAVP. No one announces anything. <laughs> there is no uh, public post or a tweet by anyone saying, oh, this data is out now. So you have to keep checking from time to time. And uh, when I was looking to the Lok Sabha questions, um, Nusrat Jahan had asked the question, she had asked for total quantum of ads across newspapers, channels, and websites. And Prakash Javadikar, who was then the INB minister, had said that you can find the ad committed to all these uh, different media on the DAVP website. So I think anyone who would have looked at that Lok Sabha answer would have thought, okay, they have not given uh, a response, but they have said you can just go to the website and find, uh, you know, mine through the data to take out the information you need. But fortunately, DAVP had, you know, dedicated, I think, a team of section officers who compiled all the data that the MP wanted. And uh, that wasn't reported in the media. And I just, I was mining through it and I came across it. It, it was released in February. And so yeah. I thought, you know, it's worth doing a story on it. And something that you've pointed out, like one particular bit in your story that you talk about is that in 2018, 19 and 1920, the data released shows that the government actually did not spend any money or advertise with the NDTV Hindi news channel, right? But then you spoke to someone at the channel who said that the channel had actually received ads uh, worth lakhs from the central government in the last two years. And similarly, uh, you found something similar with Republic TV where the data didn't match. Uh, what was it that didn't match and what are the possible causes for this sort of discrepancy? So, um, well, you know, the what happens is the RTI data that we've cited was procured by these uh, two um, RTI activists. One of them is uh, Anmol Samanchi, who we've quoted in the story, in December right. 2019, right? And the data that, uh, of course, as I said, Nusrat Jahan got was in February 2021. So there's almost a 15 months difference between the two. And it was for 2017 to 20. So uh, when I was comparing both these data sets, I thought, you know, um, it would not be fair to compare 2018 to 19 because RTI reply was given in December 2019. So that year was still not full circle. So the data might be provisional, right? And similarly for uh, the parliamentary data, you know, that couldn't be compared because that came way later. So a lot of money would have come in and bills would have been cut by the DAVP for the channels that were not reflected in the RTI responses. So we stuck to 17, 18 because... By the time uh, the RTI replies would come in in December 2019 and the parliamentary data in 2021, we would be sure that, okay, that 2017 to 18 would be a safe duration to compare both these data sets. And mm -hmm. when we compared them, we saw that for, uh, for all the channels, I think I haven't found a single instance where the data matches, where in parliament, uh, for example, the government would say that, you know, the Archduck got... Uh, 3.7 crores in 2017-18, but in the RTI, we would see number dropping to 2.4 crores. And, so, and in some of the, uh, when you compare them, you see that the parliament data always gives a bigger number, but there are also exceptions, as in the case yeah. of CNN News 18, you know, where the parliament data said that the channel got 58 lakh rupees in ads in 2017 and 18, but the RTI reply said it got 85 lakhs in that same period. Hmm. So there's no particular trend in how the numbers were not matching. 
because if you had said that okay all the numbers in parliament were higher than the ones in the rti then you get okay this is a trend and there there might be a possible reason for it in how the calculations might be done uh, but if, that was not that was that, that did not happen so when i asked anmol about this his idea was that uh, error might have crept in uh, in a way this data was compiled that the calculation mm-hmm. done for the rti might not be the same for the calculation that's done for uh, the parliament data so uh, mm-hmm. and and another theory he had was that uh, the budget might have been revised and therefore that must be bearing on the different numbers that we see so uh, I, I, we don't present any uh, answer for why the number is not matching but as as the headline mm-hmm. says that we've simply raised a question because ideally either in the rti or in the parliament especially in the parliament the government shouldn't be producing numbers that uh, do not have veracity or that conflict its own departments that is davp's earlier figures so we mm-hmm. simply raised the question why it's different we do not know mm-hmm. but now after we published the story the government of india reached out to us and they've given a rebuttal in which they've said that the parliament data does not reflect ad expenditure that is the actual money spent but the ad commitment that is uh, before any year the government commits certain number of slots for ads for its schemes or anything for a channel say republic tv gets 10 slots for ads in a particular month but right. then republic tv for some reason ends up only uh, running ads in those four slots out of 10 so the government of india would then of course give it money only for those four slots so even though the commitment was for 10 the money it got was for four so that would explain why um, rti data which the government says is the actual expenditure would be less than parliamentary data but then there are also instances so, as i said so just to clarify one second i yeah. just to clarify whatever data is being put out on the davp website then is the commitment to news channels not actual expenditure well the data put out in the parliamentary reply on nusra jahan's question is definitely commitment but davp okay. has a lot of uh, expenditure data which is the actual money spent hmm so uh, so where said, are these discrepancies like are they are they saying this when they are producing that data in parliament that this is commitment and to find out the actual expenditure you'll have to check the uh, check through rti or through davp is that being said or is it misleading when they produce that data to make it look like it is what is being spent so they have said in the reply in the lok sabha question the minister former minister had said that the ad commitments are available on the davp website now uh, mm-hmm. he can easily defend himself saying that i maintain that it was commitment but then this technicality mm-hmm. that commitment actually means what i have a pre you know a sort of a, a planned arrangement beforehand uh, is different from expenditure that clarity isn't there that is only available to you know as they claim some officers in the government of india who later told us that there's a difference in those two things but again the disingenuous uh, approach lies in the fact that when the mp was asking for total quantum of ads uh, it would be uh, i think rather uh, silly for the government to assume that she she'd want commitment data because of course commitment as, as we've seen does not match actual expenditure so and why give... why do you think the government is hesitant on revealing actual expenditure why is I, this I, 
I don't want to attribute motive as to why they don't want to do it. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know why they don't want, they don't want to do it. But uh, the fact that they gave numbers that did not reflect the actual money they spent raises several questions. Because at the mm-hmm. end of the day, this is the money collected from the taxpayers. You know, it's the money that you and I and all of us um, give to the government in form of taxes. And it's yeah. the government spending that money, and therefore you should expect some more sense of responsibility from them. But uh, mm-hmm. for them to re- release numbers that do not reflect that expenditure is is something that was dubious, and that's why we've called it dubious. Um, but again, uh, coming back, the government has maintained that you know, as I explained to you, why ex- uh, commitment might exceed actual expenditure, but then. As we have seen for two channels, NDTV India and CNN News 18, the commitment data is lower than the expenditure. So how come that the government committed several slots, but the, did the channel end up running more government ads, which sounds a little awkward because a channel has a lot of private players lining up to advertise on certain prime time slots. So I would... Which is what you pointed out in your report, right? That despite certain channels like Republic having higher, highest viewership, they weren't receiving the highest number of government ads. Yeah, because but, of the uh, possibility that you could earn more from the market. Yeah, because the government gives you fixed rates. You know, it's something about it's like two fifty rupees into a certain fixed number into your TVR, which is a TV ratings. So if if mm-hmm. even if your ratings are zero, you get two fifty rupees. So um, how come the commitment to NDTV was zero, but it got uh, thirty lakhs? So that the one official in the Ministry of uh, Information and Broadcasting explained that sometimes. Uh, say NDTV ran an ad in 2014, right? Worth 30 lakhs. But it mm. only gave the bill for it to the government of India in 2017. So the government of India would cut that bill and give the money to the channel in that year. So that would reflect in 2017 data, even though it was spent in 2014. So it's pretty much bringing up old bills. Yeah. And if you see the answers, I mean, when the uh, ex- commitment exceeds expenditure... Then we are told that the channel did not run enough ads that they were supposed to. And when it, it's it's lower than the expenditure, then the ministry says that the channels ran old bills. So what we see is the ministry is conveniently blaming news channels for whatever you know discrepancies there might be in how it is calculating numbers, which I think also signals that their response might not be uh, you know the most um, honest one because they're simply blaming the channels for it. Uh, because they've told us on record that both RTI and parliamentary data are correct. So that's also one way to look at it, that uh, in their reply, whatever deviation there is, that the government conveniently puts it on the channels, that it's their mistake, they have not, this, they have not done this, they have not done that. So that's also we should uh, should be taking note of. Right. And just, you know, finally, I want to ask you, how difficult is it to report on the media? Because you've done both, right? You've you've reported on ground and you've sp- and you also do a, a fair amount of media reporting. Is it very different from speaking to people on ground or speaking to non-news professionals? It is difficult to uh, have people speak on record uh, because you know, ironically, for all the culture of um, uh, reporting on people and advocating for openness and free speech and everything. Media professionals feel insecure about uh, saying something and getting judged for it by their own organizations. So even if you see at NDTV, which is, you know, people consider it left a little liberal and then Republic, which people consider far right. 
both professionals there spoke to us off record they wouldn't come on record that is one difficulty but the fact that we got the information out is isn't a difficulty you know you can't put a name to who gave you this information or this uh, comment but it anyway mm-hmm. comes out anonymously uh, as a source so there is uh, there are two sides to it i think that it is difficult in one way but it's not so difficult in the other all right now moving on to siddharth's report siddharth you did a report this week titled uh, newsroom gender gap men get over 80% of tv panel slots 75% of bylines it's a report we've done in partnership with un women and hayat uh so siddharth before uh, we talk about the findings of this report uh, can you tell me a little bit about the structure of this report you know how many news organizations were surveyed what kind of news organizations and over what period of time sure hi nidhi uh, ayush hi so the report was uh, as you said this is part of a series really that um, even women has been doing in partnership with news laundry um this is the second and this one the data was collected for this study from august 2019 to july 2020 and majorly i mean it it it's a very um, sort of it's data collected over a year and in various sort of different uh, segments of the media they've covered um, broadcast uh, which includes radio as well however they did not collect the data for the radio report uh, it, the data for that was collected by idiosync media combine but uh, radio is also involved mm-hmm. um then there's tv uh, print and of course um, digital media as well now um for for the, the the sort of methodology for the report is basically that they collected this information majorly by analyzing the um panels uh, debates for tv by counting the bylines in the newspapers um and for the digital media mm-hmm. segments um they sort of went ahead and they circulated um, a questionnaire as well and in fact in news laundry they even uh, collected a lot of qualitative data by doing a news laundry specific um, survey so um, you yeah. know it's a very expansive report that covers a wide variety of uh, genres from the media um, and mm-hmm. it's of course goal is really to um, figure out what is the kind of representation that women are getting in the uh, media space um, and they want to do it over a long period of time not just this long period of time not being one year but for the foreseeable future because if you want to um, establish a trend then you need a pretty big set of data and and so what really is it that the report found now in our story also you've divided it as tv news uh, newspaper and then digital and radio right so let's just start with tv news and newspaper we'll come to digital and radio after this so what does uh, the data tell us about women representation in tv channels and newspapers well as far as the tv debates are concerned um majority of the panelists um were men 85% i believe of the 6467 panelists that showed up for 1295 debates were men 15% of these um panelists were women um and the report also made an interesting distinction in terms of unique appearances so you know i mean uh, for many people i mean they show up on these debates over and over again um but the report also made a uh, sort of it made a point to um notice people who only came once 
and even there 81% of the people who came were men and uh, 19% were women um there's a whole host of um stats you know that one could just mine and present um but as far as tv is concerned in fact uh, to sort of relate this to the previous study that was done it sort of dipped as far as uh, women's uh, representation is concerned i believe it dipped at 2% so uh, and as far as newspapers are concerned the methodology was uh, you know like i said fairly straightforward in that they co- the main um, method for establishing representation was counting the bylines and uh, okay. they also went um, sort of uh, you know you can't always um, figure out the gender of a person by the name itself um, so the way that they sort of countered that and checked it was to do an expansive check for each name um and uh, primarily via social media and other such uh, channels they tried to establish the gender of the author of the byline but even there they found that uh, majority of the uh, bylines are being written by men in the even for tv and for newspapers they did it across um hindi and english um organizations and they found mm-hmm. that while in the english newspapers i mean it's a bad situation but they're still ahead of hindi um and even though the hindi um, newspapers that they chose there were four were sort of city editions because they didn't have nationwide uh, distribution so they had city editions for these newspapers but they were still you know uh, i i believe in uh, majority of the front pages um say for the front pages the headlines none of them were authored by um women um and the newspaper um, section of the study was also interesting because they sort of tried to approach it uh, on the basis of uh, theme as well the front page um then the business pages the sports pages and editorial um and for both tv and um newspaper one consistent theme has been that women are really not being included in coverage of sports that's something that even from the previous study it's something which is sort of emerging as a trend women are mostly talking about on tv they're mostly talking about human interest entertainment um that's a sort of theme that they're really engaging with in the newspapers however they get a fair amount of representation in business um but still the trend remains that in sports they're not really the women are not really being involved and how is it different in uh, digital and radio so in digital and radio from what i understand there doesn't seem to be a differentiation between hindi and english right hmm yeah. and in fact i believe that the only hindi um, digital organization that they considered was they had a distinction between nl hindi and nl english i mean wire also has urdu and hmm. uh, english i believe but yeah. was that not, taken not into... not really considered no okay so what so the report does talk about how digital and radio uh, analysis reveals that it is in some way far far better than what uh, tv news and newspapers reveal to us about female representation in workplaces so uh, can you tell us a little bit about what these numbers look like yeah so as far as uh, I'll, i'll talk about radio also because there's a very uh, so there's a small section on radio but it was interesting um so like i had mentioned earlier this was data collected by an organization called idiosync media combine and the way that they collected it for um, radio was that they this organization had distributed a survey to over 150 community radio stations and mm-hmm. um, 
they had a response there were 36 um respondents right and they mm-hmm. found that um, they sort of divide these um um these respondents into commercial and community and they found that a fair number of while the management positions were mostly occupied were me- by men uh they had volunteers also involved uh who they're not paid but uh, out of uh, I, i think nearly half of these uh, volunteers were women but even um among the people who were employed um they found that uh, women were actually uh, slightly um, ahead even of um, the men in terms just in terms of representation um yeah. as far as um uh digital media is concerned um they you know had a small section again on women led organizations and um, you know some of the more uh, prominent uh, digital media organizations such as the quint uh even now uh, mojo story also found mention the news minute right these are all um fairly um, prominent digital media organizations which have been uh spearheaded by women and so uh while it doesn't really draw this connection directly but but that's um, it, what i was going to ask you that uh, while there is a mention about women in leadership roles in radio and digital data uh, hmm. is our women in leadership roles looked at in the tv news and newspapers as well or was this specifically done only for digital and radio this time it was specifically done for digital and radio i believe in the previous report this was a focus for tv and um, print as well this time they sort mm-hmm. of uh, have a dedicated section on newsroom composition and women led media organizations but in that section they mostly talk about digital because right. uh, digital does seem to stand out uh, right uh, because of these organizations and since they're being spearheaded by women their composition is also being you know it's very uh, majority women say for example um the news minute has a staff of 30 and 65% of them are women as far as uh, digital media is concerned they did find that uh, composition wise digital is quite ahead and uh, most of the articles that are being written say for example they had um, i believe 10000 10473 articles under uh, consideration um they found that the gender representation you know as, as compared to newspapers or television debates well it varies across uh, digital portals so for example the print had um, 61 61.4% of the all their articles written by women but then swaraj only had 14.7% um mm-hmm. so while there's a spectrum um they did find that um some of the digital media organizations are finding more uh, representation in terms of the composition and in terms of the articles that are published by um, women right and i mean at this point we are at, at a stage where we're not just pointing out numbers but since the study was conducted 2 years ago it's possible if not a trend to at least see if there's any difference or progress right so 2 uh, years ago when news laundry in partnership with the un women undertook the same study um and now have done it again what what is the change that we are seeing like is there a direction that we are heading towards well not really you know um and this time there you know as they are sort of going forward the report perhaps is getting more and more comprehensive um but they not really finding much difference in terms of are things getting better not really 
um, in fact as i said in tv it got worse mm. um but um, still as far as um, establishing real sort of long term trends which have sort of I, i would say even more heavier meaning of i will of course as time as sort of two two five reports will be better than two reports to prove a point right uh, but as far as these two reports are concerned um unfortunately they're not really seeing great sort of leaps and strides as far as uh, gender representation is concerned right so apart from the quantitative analysis uh, the study also undertook a smaller more niche uh, more subjective and qualitative analysis so what were the topics looked at in this qualitative analysis and what were the sort of parameters of this study like how many how many people were surveyed how many organizations were surveyed so as far as the questions are concerned um you know they like i said they divided it into um, freelance and uh, employed so um you know they uh, asked freelancers questions such as uh, how many work- years have you been working as a freelance journalist why um did you choose to work as a freelance journalist uh, etc what are the uh, number of stories per week that you get to do right these are some of the questions that were involved in this um survey they also since this was the same time as covid they also asked people what uh, was the sort of impact of covid on their work uh, freelance or otherwise mm-hmm. um but more um, sort of going ahead of that they also asked for some demographic details so um you know questions as far as uh, identity are concerned you know even religion um years of experience also caste um they made inquiries into all of these um subjects to sort of determine representation and what is people's experience um uh, working in these organizations given their identity factors hmm. uh in addition to that um the report also as far as the qualitative aspect is concerned they also uh, asked about uh, safety um in workplaces and um you know the icc the internal complaints committee uh, what is the sort of awareness that people working in organizations this was sort of limited to people who worked in uh, newsrooms um what is uh, their awareness of the icc how active the icc is in terms of um, um educating people as far as uh, sexual harassment is concerned what are the experiences that people have had um interestingly um 60% of the people have said that they did not face um any uh, predatory behavior and uh, none of the respondents said that they faced any sexual harassment but 40% of the people uh, responded by saying that they had experienced predatory behavior in the workspace and as far as women are concerned you know they would get a lot of work which had nothing to do with uh, the work that is supposed to be assigned to them so the qualitative aspects of the survey looked into um representation in terms of identity and how of course as far as gender and other term categories of identity are concerned how do they dictate the kind of work that uh, people do in newsrooms and uh, what is the kind of uh, experience that they have um, hmm. and it also sort of made some forays into me too and what has its impact been right on uh, sexual harassment and uh, safety uh, in newsrooms 
And finally, let's talk about what the survey found out about news laundry, because we also all mm-hmm. were sent questionnaires a few months ago. Uh, all of us right. had to fill it out. Um, what are the results from news laundry survey? So um, the kind of, uh, you know, uh, questions that they asked included, um, uh, you know, were there any salary cuts, right, because of COVID, mm. Uh again like the qualitative aspect included covid quite a bit what was the impact on um, promotions um, work output um, this sort of thing um, but also uh, some of the interesting um, uh, also they sort of um, did a fairly other uh, you know identity based uh, inquiries as well in terms of uh, religion again years of experience also and education as well, caste, all the same things that they'd done for the general um, social media survey were included in this as well. Um, mm. But uh, they definitely found that uh, most of the uh, people here at News Laundry uh, feel as if their gender is adequately represented. Um, however, as far as the sort of middle positions uh, are concerned, uh, those are mostly occupied by men. And, um, you know, in, uh, in as far as, as far as, uh, so for example, 12 out of 14 women um, and 21 out of 22 men have a male boss. Um, mm. So, uh, yeah, the, as far as, and, you know, goes to show a lot in this report, you know, it uh, goes to show that representation is not basically the end of it, you know, uh, that there is a difference basically, but that gender discrimination will go beyond representation, right? So uh, there are a number of uh, um, stats that can be used from this report um, to show that as far as organizations are concerned, even though you can employ women, there are a fairly a number of, uh, there is a huge difference basically between the experience that a woman will have of working in the newsroom and a man will have, right? And um, as far as news laundry is concerned, they did find that uh, representation was there and uh, everybody feels safe and um, does not really have uh, these sorts of uh, issues. Uh, the opportunities as far as middle and top positions, they have mostly been men and uh, the knowledge about the internal uh, complaints committee is not was not found to be sort of very well known that it existed. But I thought that was the most interesting part. While most things uh, are fairly decent in the organization, apart from I mean I'm not going into caste representation and religion representation, which is also uh, quite stark. But uh, the fact that a lot of people didn't feel uh, some were unaware about the ICC, some felt it was not accessible, and only four men said that uh, once in a quarter there was uh, sexual gender sensitization sessions or sexual awareness sessions in the organization was something that stood out for me in terms of the news laundry survey. Ayush, I don't right. know if you've had a chance to look at it. Is there something you wanted to sort of weigh in terms of uh, the survey conducted at news laundry? Uh, no, I think. Uh... What, there were certain things I expected. Uh, what was to be noted well, and the way the survey has been, uh, you know, collected, uh, I like w- that is not emphasized simply on, you know, how many people are women, how many people are men, 
uh, that sort of representation and it's gone beyond that and i was looking at it and i was uh, expecting news only to at least do better you know we've not done better yeah. on caste last time this was done neither yeah. on gender but yeah i thought on the representation when it comes to say religion or uh, you know experience that it will have more encouraging numbers but uh, they are not encouraging at all as far as i see similarly in the uh, you know there's one dedicated section to news laundry in the report but there's also yeah. another section where it discusses the uh, number of female writers and the percentage of articles where they have a byline in which also we've performed very poorly especially compared to some of our you know counterparts in digital media like quint or scroll or the wire which so, i was quite surprised by to be honest because i felt like we do have a fair amount of female reporters as well yeah but uh, apparently the output that they put out is uh, sort of dims in comparison to the output put out by men or hmm. male reporters so hmm. all in all i mean they're not uh, the best of numbers but yeah. uh, thankfully we know that and i think uh, it's up for the you know um, the seniors at the organization to do something about this no absolutely um, thank you ayush and sadat for coming in and uh, speaking about your stories which are quite data centric so um, i would really urge our listeners to go and take a look at both their reports which are very important uh, this is something that news laundry dedicatedly does to also be a watchdog of media and uh, also being self reflective which is what this uh, report that news laundry partnered with the un has uh, has opened our eyes to and hopefully we will see a change uh, when the next survey is conducted before we end the podcast ayush and siddharth uh, do you both have any recommendations for our listeners um yeah i my first recommendation is uh, nidhi's report uh, it's a follow up from hathras it's titled why didn't hathras cop listen when dalit girl said she'd been gang raped he had piles he says that's the headline and uh, nidhi's been i think covering this for months i think it's been 7 or 8 months now and all these reports um, i think we are the ones who have been chasing the story most persistently so i think we should uh, that's a great report and also absurd in a very uh, that tragic way so please uh, do read that and yesterday i just went again you know i read uh, ambedkar's annihilation of caste i don't know if i should be saying this because it's a working day and i should have been working but mm-hmm. uh, it felt like reading it again and i it just brought to me how forceful a uh, polemic it is so i think everyone should read that too yeah siddharth i've been i i keep uh, going back to jay mazumdar who's a um journalist at indian express um he wrote a book um some time back called the age of endlings explorations and investigations into the indian wild um so it's a sort of um you know a, a collection of his most uh, adventurous reports and investigations that he did on a freelance basis or otherwise um and he got into some very cool scrapes uh, <laughs> as far as uh, india's um, uh, wildlife is concerned and i'm a huge uh, i am really interested in natural history and wildlife so i enjoy reading this book um so i'd i'd uh, i'd recommend uh, jay mazumdar's age of endlings because it's a pretty good uh, portrait of um yeah india's uh, environmental landscape and its problems
Right. So my recommendation this week is a podcast from the New York Times Daily. Every Sunday, they read out a story from their archives. And this particular one is titled Alone at Sea. Uh, it's actually about one man who was almost 71 and completed his third transatlantic kayaking trip all by himself. Um, and the story is a lot about what that passion of his and this almost irrational uh, passion of his does to his family, to himself. What It's almost like a existential journey, the whole uh, podcast. And I thought... And not in a very, very uh, existential way that you can't relate to, but it's also written very beautifully. And um, I think it's a beautiful story. It kind of gave me the feeling of, uh, uh, of this movie, My Octopus Teacher, that I watched a few months ago. And, and it's just written so nicely. And it's, it's a really, really soothing, um, soothing here because it's a podcast. Uh, so, yeah, that's my recommendation. And listeners, if you're listening to this podcast on Apple or Spotify or Stitcher, remember we have a website, newslaundry.com. You can log on to newslaundry.com to check out the other cool stuff that we do, like interviews, ground reports, uh, satire. And while you're there, please, please remember to subscribe to News Laundry. It's the red button on the top right-hand corner. The cheapest subscription costs uh, only 300 rupees a month. So please subscribe so that... uh, my colleagues like Nidhi uh, can keep doing follow-ups like she's done on Hathras and Siddharth can churn out more data stories that tell a story about the Indian media in a, a way that is not explored very much. And with that, this podcast is adjourned. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. Catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport. Visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.